be because we adore, not because we're trying to somehow impress God with a false sense of piety. So, I myself am going to say Resurrection Sunday. I get that one. Pesca. The other one, it's a little odd. It worked for the time. And for some, it may still. You're not going to hear anything from me, but that's the reason that I brought that up. Some things that come to mind real quick then as we go on and we take a look after the Luke chapter 24, some things Jesus said that come to mind this week. Number one, in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus identifies himself as the resurrection and the life. That's big. Number two, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Not a little bit of authority. Not my share of authority. But all of it. And then, this is where JT was mentioning earlier about Hebrews 6. This hope then that we have in who Jesus is. We have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That one really spun me out of the ground like a high, high, electric, high electric rate pole. I mean, I was just... Because there's a lot going on there. Get this. D.A. Carson, all of God's sovereignty is mediated through Christ and it hinges on His power over death in His resurrection. Think about that. All of God's sovereignty. Now we're talking... Can you imagine all of God's sovereignty? If you just gathered it all up? All of it is mediated through Christ. And it hinges, depends, is hung on His power over death in His resurrection. There was a lot at stake at the resurrection. Let's take these one by one then. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is Lord and Savior. We hear that a lot. And a lot of times that people say it, A lot of people say it and don't mean it. A lot of times for people, Jesus is neither Lord nor is He Savior. That Jesus is a lesser Jesus they speak of. Boy, boy, when you come to the one of the Scriptures. He is Lord and Savior and He is the resurrection and the life. That's who He is. So this comes on the heels of Lazarus being dead The family being grieved because by this time, it's been three days. And I just read that according to Hebrew thought, and this gets into a little bit of the philosophical side, perhaps the mythological side, that some of them actually thought that after three days, just in case the spirit was hovering around, at three days, the flesh turned gray and it could no longer get back in. This was kind of a under the undercurrent on the radar there of the mindset of those who had lost loved ones. And, and so they would have a three-day holdover. Kind of have a wake, 
in some traditions today. I think in the Catholic Church, you, they should call it a wait, <laughs> a wait and see, but they call it a wake. Maybe, maybe if they keep it in here for a few days, the person will awake and they'll come out and we're all waiting to see. Wouldn't that be something? Anyway, Jesus didn't go because if you remember in the narrative, they, he was told in plenty of time, but he didn't go. After all of this, Jesus looks to Martha and he says, your brother, or to Mary, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So because they, they understood the resurre- they, resurrection, they believed in the resurrection. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked. And she said, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Because even they knew they were looking for the Messiah. She believed in the Messiah. We saw earlier that she had faith to go, though, to the tomb and was expecting a body. We struggle, don't we? I want you to remember this, any of you who think you can impress God with your legalistic piety. He knows who you are. We need Him. He does not need us, but He loves us. And He draws near to us. And there is a reciprocal relationship there that's instigated by Him to us. So we can get in a really bad strait. But God knows what we need. And he's reassuring her when he's telling her, do you believe, when he's asking, do you believe this? And she declares this. Now, it reminded me of something in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Of the woman at the well. This lady comes to the well, the Samaritan woman. It's deep. She goes to draw. Jesus asks for water. And then Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And then he makes this statement. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He's the water. He's the resurrection and the life. And he's the water. He is the spring that never runs dry. Ever. If anyone should ever come to you and say, oh, I was a Christian once. That was a long time ago. I don't believe any of that anymore. They had a bottle of water. They didn't have a spring of water. Theirs was a a false sense of H2O. It ran dry. When you have the real thing, he keeps you. You don't keep him. Amen? Jesus said, He is the resurrection and the life. Now, you think to yourself, how far back then does this idea of resurrection go? Well, you know, Job, the book of Job, is one of the oldest books we have in the Bible as as far as it relates to its being inscripturated and written down. It's certainly not the oldest by way of sequential order, but it's the oldest in the way of inscripturation. Job has an interesting thing to say in verse chapter 14, verse 13 through 15. Oh, that you would hide me in the grave. Now think about this. This is interesting. 
that you would conceal me until your wrath is past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait and notice this till my change comes. What change? The resurrection change. Job believed God, didn't he? You shall call and I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hands. And do we not read about that in Ephesians? We are giving the Holy Spirit as a guarantee until God takes this possession, which is our body. Oh, by the way, if any of you have bodies you detest, I guess if you live long enough, we'll all detest them. I think, I think of Ron Plant here. Par- on his le- paralyzed on the left side for a long time. I don't know how many years, but more than 10, more than 15 probably. Totally useless. You've all seen it. The pain that was caused. And his body just kept deteriorating on him. He wanted to be free from it. Go home, right? He's home. And what's going to happen? He gets a brand new one. So don't ever think, I can't wait to get rid of this thing. God's got another plan. He's going to give you a brand new one. We, you know, if you're into muscle cars and stuff, a total frame-off restoration. Okay? All the serial numbers match except different factory. That's what we get. It's important to God. We won't just be ethereal spirits floating around in heaven going, I'm wispy today. We live. We walk. It's a restoration of Genesis before the fall. All these things we get. We have a body. But it's perfect. And why all this? Because of Jesus in the resurrection. Now, what about Jesus' authority? In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, you all know this. It's very popular. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. He says, all authority. Now, everyone's claiming authority these days. Everyone's misusing authority these days. But there is one authority that has already been claimed. And it will never expire. All because of the resurrection in Jesus Christ. He has come once. And then He departed to send the Holy Spirit to us. Where He by He lives in us. Which is far better, He said. But He's coming again. This time, it'll be a lot different. All authority. Think about that in your life right now. If you're here and you don't know Christ and, 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 and you think you're tough and, and you've been through stuff and you've got the scars to prove it, and I have no doubt you have, but I just want to say something to you. It is only by the sheer grace of God that you can be here today under the hearing of this gospel to know that Jesus Christ is your only hope because you are you are begging for war against your maker by denying him his rightful place in your life. You will lose. You will lose. What are you going to do when you stand before God at the great white throne judgment without a covering? 
You certainly won't go in your duds. You won't have cinch written up on your shirt pocket. You won't have a fancy suit. You're going to be there in your bare nakedness. And what are you going to say? Look at me. I've got it all good. I did it my way. And you will be cast into perdition. So I'm begging you. Hear the gospel. Jesus' resurrection Jesus' resurrection is the best news because it's the only news that can save your soul. It will require you of something to bow the knee before Him and repent of your sin and confess Him as Lord. You must surrender your life. And there's a lot who have. And now they can't imagine ever living the other way, huh? I once heard Adrian Rogers, he's my favorite preacher of all time, and uh, he said, I would be a Christian, even if it meant going to hell in the end, because the lifetime of walking with Jesus was worth far more than even if I went to the hell in the end and enduring it for eternity, he had that time with Jesus. Now, that's not true, but what Adrian was trying to say is, Jesus cannot be matched. And we have this treasure, the Bible says, in earthen vessels. Let me go on and I'll finish up. Jesus is our anchor. He is anchor. He's forerunner and he is high priest. Now, in Hebrews chapter 6, which is a wonderful book for the richness of the covenant of redemption, the new covenant of grace, how the Adamic covenant, all, all, how it all came together right in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 6, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, you get the idea there, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus, or because, so because of this, God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. And that's a big fat way of saying God, through Abraham, gave us this covenant of faith. Whereby we can run to Him as a refuge. And God ratified this one, not by an outside source, but by Himself. He guaranteed it by Himself. There could be no one greater, so He, he said, I will do this for my own sake. Now we get into this. This hope then. This, this hope. All from the above. This hope. We have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, real quick on the blue word, I want to stop and say, the presence behind the veil, alluding to the imagery, the typology of the, of the uh, tabernacle of meeting, inside the holy of holies, the place where only the high priest could go one time a year. First, he had to atone for his own sins. Then he could go on in there. And he... And, and you just hoped you didn't miss anything. 
because you would drop dead. All right, so he went in there and he made atonement for the people, but he went into the presence. So when it says that we have Jesus, who is our anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, he went behind the veil for us. You know, it's interesting when Jesus died, that earthquake that happened, and the veil of the temple, the screen that separated the, 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 the holy of holies from the holy place, where they had the other things, it, it, it split from top to bottom. I read in another article, the first thing they did after all this happened, they sewed it back up. That's what religion does. That's why I hate it so bad. Religion, man's attempt to make things right with God, and what God tears down, they just sew right back up. Because they can improve and they can help God out. Have you ever noticed in all false religions, the scripture is never enough? I remember one old one old man preached. I heard so many sermons driving a tractor, man. There's a lot coming back. But he was preaching. He was preaching on salvation, no other name but Jesus Christ alone. At a church, a big metropolitan area. He went to the back of the building like the preachers used to stand back there, you know. Hello, hello, hello. Or have a good day. This lady came by. This old lady came by. She says, I, I hate what you preached. I don't like what you preached. And I, I take issue with it. And she said, he said, ma'am, it, it's just, it came right out of the Scripture. Because I don't care what the Scripture says. And that's your problem if you have a problem with what God says. Many times, if you'd be willing to look beneath what some of you may struggle when it comes to Scripture, it's just because you refuse to yield to the Scripture. Don't sew up what God's torn down, okay? Don't try to repair that. And anyway, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever, it means he doesn't stop, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, some interesting things on this word anchor. Our hope is not fleeting. It's like an anchor. So come down and an anchor. Uh, Christ being our hope, serving like an anchor, using the imagery of ships at anchor. The Puritan Samuel Rutherford remarked on this, Our hope is not hung up on such an untwisted thread as I imagined so, or it is likely. You can also tell and spot false religion and false professions of faith in Christ whenever they obviously end their conversation with, Well, I hope so, when it refers to being saved. The Bible says you can know so, because it's a fact so, because God said so. Okay, so I imagine so it is likely is not for us. But the cable, the strong rope, imagine what holds that anchor of our fastened anchor is the oath and promise of Him who is eternal truth. Now, this comes from Samuel Rutherford and it's just another neat name of Jesus that's unofficial because it, I mean, it is derived from Scripture, but He is eternal truth. Our salvation is fastened with God's own hand and Christ's own strength to the strong stake of God's unchangeable nature. Don't tell me that Jesus can save, but you got to keep it. Liar. Upon the authority of Scripture, that's a lie. It is in God's own hand, by God's own doing, kept by God's own strength, by Christ's own work. You cannot improve it. You cannot amend it. You cannot take it away because it's an anchor. That does not move. So now, how does that anchor get parked? Right? 
Well, let's look at this word forerunner, if you will. In the Greek, this word for forerunner is called prodromos, okay? The Greek harbors were often cut off from the sea by sandbars, over which the larger ships dared not pass till the full tide came in. Therefore, a lighter vessel, a forerunner, a prodromos, took the anchor and dropped it into the harbor. From that moment, the ship was safe from the storm, although it had to wait for the tide before it could enter the harbor. When I was 12 years old or 11, on a creek bank in Oklahoma, Christ Almighty came and picked me out of the mass of humanity and, and, and drew me to Himself. And He took that as my anchor, as the anchor of my soul. He took me in His arms and he traveled over that sandbar of eternity and he plopped it right down into the harbor of God's never-ending grace. Now, I'm still bobbing over here in the sea of life. Okay, it's up and it's down. And I'm not yet crossed over, but I'm as good as there. Because I have a forerunner who guaranteed it. That's the beauty of what this word means. The entrance of the small vessel into the harbor, the forerunner carrying the ship's anchor, was the pledge that the ship would safely enter the harbor when the tide was full. And because Christ, our forerunner, has entered heaven itself, having torn asunder everything that separates the redeemed sinner from the very presence of God, He Himself is the pledge that we too shall one day enter the harbor of our souls And the very presence of God. Don't y'all think that's neat? I do. Every time I look up on a dinghy now, I'm going to think that. When I see a little flat bottom boat, I'm like, that took, that's my forerunner, except mine looks better than that. But I get it. I get the imagery, right? All right, lastly, a high priest of our confession. Jesus is our high priest. He does not need improvement, he never dies. This is taken from the 1689 London Baptist Confession, number 8, verse 7. This is just the confession part of all that the Scripture says on this. In His work of mediation, Christ, Christ acts according to both natures. Remember, we talked about the God-man, fully God and fully man. He, he, He acts according to both natures in His mediation, by each nature doing what is appropriate to itself. Even so... Because of the unity of the person, that which is appropriate to one nature is sometimes in Scripture attributed to the person under the designation of, an, of other nature. To all those for whom Christ has obtained eternal redemption, He certainly and effectually applies and imparts it. What? His nature. His mediation. He intercedes for them. He unites them to Himself by His Spirit and reveals to them in and by His Word the mystery of salvation. He persuades them to believe and obey and governs their hearts by His Word and Spirit. He overcomes all their enemies by His almighty power and wisdom using methods and ways that are perfectly consistent with His wonderful and unsearchable governance. All these things are by free and absolute grace apart from any condition for obtaining it that is foreseen in them. In other words, He is our perfect mediator. 
Because He is Almighty God. Because He does have all authority. Okay? Because He is the resurrection and the life. That's why I'll close with this slide. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24, 25, and then to 28. But He, because He continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. The next time anybody from a certain group should ever talk to you about a restoration of a certain priesthood, just tell them to go eat bologna. Because it's not true. In fact, it's blasphemy. It's heresy. Jesus has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, He is able, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. If you're here and you don't know Christ, I don't care how crusty you are. Oh, if you knew Jesus, you could live. You could really live. It doesn't matter all the baggage you've got. He specializes in hard cases. Just come and fall in complete dependence. He always lives. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, right? It does. That's what was wrong and it was what was really lacking in, in the Levitical, or the Sinaitic Covenant. But the word of the oath, that one that we just read that God swore to Abraham which came after well uh, which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever he is the captain of our salvation the high priest of our confession he saves to the uttermost so so that's why when i'm thinking about resurrection sunday that other word really doesn't hold it but resurrection does resurrection power we're admonished in scripture to get to know the power of his resurrection that we may understand more about the resurrection of christ i just want to encourage you if you're if you're taken captive by sin you say it's got a grip on me it does but it don't you have an anchor If you're in Christ and you struggle with this, you've been set free to serve. You've been set free to live. You don't have to capitulate. Don't mean it won't be hard. Don't mean there won't be a fight. But you're not chained down anymore. No, no. You're free. And if you don't know Christ, I want to tell you, Resurrection Sunday is to you A declaration of your need of Christ so that you can be free. Because you are bound and you can't be free unless he frees you. I'm going to ask JT to come. For those who are going to be baptized, if you want to go ahead and go get changed, you can. Let us end this portion of our worship service as we get ready to observe some baptisms. With what do we do with what we just heard? And I think here comes the question. When Jesus was responding to Martha, and no doubt Mary, the family, He asked them, after saying that He's the resurrection and the life, do you believe this? 
Do you believe this? I think we often think, well, I do. But sometimes we stumble by the way we live. I think it would be good today to think about just how much you believe about the consequences of the resurrection in your life. Okay? If you're here and you're saved and you know Christ, Jesus didn't just save you to take you on to heaven. He saved you to live with Him now. To experience victory now. It's not that you won't have bad days or months, but you shouldn't be brought low to the point of permanence there. What do you believe about the resurrection there? So JT sings for a few moments. Uh, You come. The altar is open. Maybe just pray where you are as we think about what this resurrection does.